We're going to talk about a basic series, see how far it goes. I never know. Y'all may think I get my stuff out of a book or off of a series. I do not. I Sometimes it's Saturday evening before I pull it together. Like late. I'm not the only one. A lot of pastors. I'll call Pastor Avery. Well, we're on broadcast, so I can, I'll call him at 10 o'clock, and I'll say, what are you doing? He said, I'm hammering it out. <laughs> so that's what we do. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1. I want to talk to you about Christ in you. Is Christ in you the hope of glory? And this is something that's basic, but if you don't know this, if you don't put the foundation under the rest of your believing, it's going to be flawed and be a little rocky. Look what it says in chapter 25. 25, wherefore I am made a minister, Paul said. Yeah, well, I, I put it different on yours, Lynn. Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me. The dispensation of God simply just means a time of opportunity. The Lord picked the time. He's, he's good at picking the right time, isn't he? He said, Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you. That's interesting that the Lord gives you and I things for someone else. So we're always busy giving the people around us the things that the Lord gave us for them. If you're, if you're in him, if you're in him, you're always getting things for yourself but you're getting things for other people. So there's always an outflow because there's always an inflow. Which is given to me for you. Why? Why, Paul, did the Lord give things to you for me? To fulfill the word of God. What word of God? Even the mystery, verse 26 says, even the mystery. The word mystery there. I looked it up and it means a hidden thing. It actually means to shut the mouth. In the Greek, it means the mystery means to shut the mouth. So it's a secret. It's a hidden thing. You know how secrets are with people. Don't tell anybody. I'm not supposed to tell anybody, but I'll tell you if you won't tell anybody. Watch out for those friends. Hallelujah. Really, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages, from ages, from ages and from generations. So what if the Lord had things planned out for us way back? What if before the world even was begun, even before the world, what if he already had this all planned out? What if he knew what he was going to do and how he was going to do it and when he was going to do it? Wouldn't that be amazing? Here he says, the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generation, but now is, say it with me, now is. Now is. Been hidden. It wasn't time. It was hidden. No one saw it. No one ever saw it. But now is made manifest to his saints. I'm a saint. Are you a saint? Of course we are. It says it's made manifest. It's revealed. It's shown to us. It's something that was hidden, a mystery, a shut the mouth. But now it's revealed. It must be pretty powerful. It must be pretty powerful. It must be the thing that is going to set the captives free. 
So verse 27, to find out what the mystery is, he says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. Same word, shut the mouth, hidden thing. Among the Gentiles, which is, which is, which is, say it with me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So let's put it in first person. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now, we just assume that because we're used to it. In Christendom, we, we just talk about Jesus in me and all of that. But I'm telling you, it's way more than what we've thought. Only Christians make this claim. Only Christianities make the claim that their God is in them. There's no other claim. There's no other religion. There's no other so-called faith that claims to have their God in them. When you go into oriental parlors, sometimes they'll have a, a Buddha, statue of Buddha. I guess that's what he is. And they'll have offerings around him, fruit and stuff like that. I, I don't know what all that is, but they, but they say, where's Buddha? He's right there. And Allah, where is he? Well, he's, he's, he's there, he's there, but he's, he's never here. They never say he's here. It's really an outrageous claim to think about God, the God that created everything, going down and coming into his creation. It's, why, why would he do that? He's, he's all-powerful. He's all Okay, so Christ in us, that is an outlandish, that's a preposterous, that is an un... Nobody thinks that way. Nobody has ever thought that way. Only Christianity has this thought. Even the Jews, what separated them from us was that their God was on the mountain. We're going to go to Sinai. We're going to go to Jerusalem. He's in the temple. He's in the tabernacle. Then he was in the temple. And, and only one person could even go where God was, go into the holy place and once a year, and then sanctified and all this, all this washing and cleaning and all that. And that's where God was. But when the Lord Jesus came and made a substitute for us, he identified with us so that we legally could identify with him. And how we identify with him is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Instead of saying, well, Jesus is over there or Jesus is up there. That's what we all tend to do is when we pray, we look up. But actually, the Bible says we're seated with him in heavenly places, that we're at the right hand of the, at the throne of glory. And that actually when we pray, we're praying down because we're seated with him up. That's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We don't, in the New Testament, we don't bow before God. We lift our hands because we're on a level, we're on a, on a place with him that's different than you're the great God and, and, and I'm fearful and I wonder if you're going to bless me and, and are you going to send rains? Are you going to protect my children from dying from the plague or whatever? It's a whole nother world. And he calls it the mystery that's been hidden, Christ in me, Christ in you, Christ in me, the hope of glory, the hope of glory. 
God is glory. So our hope and glory is not what we do, but who he is in us. Everything would change in your life and my life if we believe this like it was. When we believe he's in me and that he can't deny himself, therefore in me, he can't deny me. If he denies me, he denies himself because he's Christ in me. So he'll never deny me because he's in me. We're the same. We're, we're, we're two eggs that were got broke into the skillet and whisked around. And it's like, which one's which? They're together. Christ in me, the hope of glory. The good news version said, God's plan is to make known his secret to this people, this rich and glorious secret, which he has for all peoples. And the secret is that Christ in you, which means that you, Christ in you, which means that you will share in the glory of God. So either this is the truth or it's a tremendous hoax. Because if we don't worship him, if we don't go to where he is, if he's somewhere and worship him, then we're not worshiping him. And if we don't believe he's in us, then we're not acknowledging that. Then we have no God. Then we have no faith. We have nothing. We need, we need to be like the, the Hindus or the Muslims or the whatever where you, you turn five times a day and you, you point towards Mecca because that's where, that's where their God is or that's where, that's where the epitome of who he is is, is at Mecca. But no matter where we are, we don't point anywhere. We just lift our hands and say, I thank you, God, you're in me. And they were in union together. And that your thoughts are my thoughts and your ways are my ways. The cotton patch, uh-oh, watch out. In them, God wanted to exhibit among all races what a priceless thing this glorious mystery is. A priceless thing. The, the mystery of Christ's indwelling presence with you all, the basis of the glory. So how can the glory of God come in us without affecting us? If he's over there, if he's in Jerusalem, then he could have a glorious time. If he's on Sinai, he could be doing a glorious thing, the thunders and the rumblings and lightnings. But if he's in me, if he's in you, if he's in us, then his glory affects me. Suddenly, I become glorious because he is glorious and he's in me, inseparable. The 20th century. This revelation means nothing less than Christ in union with you, the hope of glory. Amen. So, on the one hand, you, you can't hide from him because when you go in the closet, he, he's in the closet with you. <laughs> when you go to church, he's, he's, he's in us. John 7 says that out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. What, what does that mean? Well, it means he's in there. Amen. So we say, here's what we say. You cannot know what you have. You cannot know what you can do. You don't know the limits of your power, your authority, your, your uh, jurisdiction. You don't know it until you know who you are in him. So we have to know who we are. We have to know, is he in me or not? 
there's a billboard that uh, has been out, and they run it every once in a while, that says, is he in you? No other faith dares run that kind of billboard. Is he in you? Like I said, the Jews don't, the Hindus don't, the Baha'i don't, nobody does. It's, uh, it's karma or it's, uh, it's whatever they do. Hallelujah. So the basis of my life and your life is the sum of what I know and no more. You, don't, you cannot be more than you know. It doesn't just come on you that all of a sudden you're just rich and you didn't even know. Or you're just supernaturally healed and you didn't even know. We have to know. And we can't be more than what we know. So the basis is people are the prosperity message, for instance. The error of that, and there is no error in that, but I mean the, 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 the pitfall to that is to think that you can claim something or that you can have something or you can live in something without being qualified. It's very personal. Having your bills paid, your supply be sure, is very personal. It's not like we just all dipped into the pot and this is what we came out with. Because you have to be able to be qualified for it. God bless me. Well, why did he bless you? Well, because I'm in him and he's in me. Until you know that and you are separate from him, he's over there and he might help me, he might not help me. I'm over here. I'm having a hard time. Oh, God, we're asking you to help us over there. Come over here and help us. See, it messes up your faith. But if you know he's already in me, I'm qualified. I'm pre-qualified. Are y'all here? I'm pre-qualified to have my needs met. Why? Because I'm a child of God. I'm a son of righteousness. I'm his favorite. He's looking after me every day. He gets up. He does not get up. But as, as we say, he gets up. When our day starts is what we should say. He's thinking, what can I do for Annette? What can I do for Jane? I've got Lynn on my mind today, and I'm not thinking about anything else. You go, how can he do that? Well, that, that is his quality of being God is he's omnipresent. He's everywhere, and he's got goodness in his heart. He's not thinking, your day's tomorrow. I am covered up today. Can't you see my schedule? I got $8 billion to work on. I, I can't get to you today. Nope. You're always at the top of the list. Don't you like those restaurants where you go in and you put your name on the list and five people come in after you and then four people come in after that and they get seated before you? You know what we always do. We go check the list. <laughs> What's up? And they say, well, there's 20 of you and we didn't have a 20 table. It's the thing with God. We're always at the top of the list, but we don't know that. We're not confident about that because we haven't been branded inside. Christ is in me. He's personal beyond measure. He's in me. He, I don't know if he's in you, don't know if he's in you, but he is in me. And I'm not going to base my expectation on what you have and what you're doing. He's in me. And he's so personal. So our past experience will lie to us because we didn't know as much back then as we should know now. It's like, well, why didn't God come through? Well, because you were looking at him over there. You were, you were expecting him to, to, to uh, ask you a question. Would you do this for me so I can do that for you? When actually he's inside of us, and this right here, the word is him. He's living inside of us. He's alive. 
I don't know if y'all are interested in this or not, but it just throws me into overdrive. I just love to talk about the greater one inside of us. So knowing who you are in him sets the boundaries, sets the borders of your whole life. If you don't believe you're quite good enough for God to heal and symptoms come and they do come, they will come and they do come. If you, uh, if your finances are a little on the edge and you go, I, you know, I don't know, God's trying to teach me a lesson or God's not really happy with me because after all, the other day I did mess up and do this and not do that. Then if you're always qualifying who you are, Christ in me, then you'll always drop back from pressure against your money and pressure against your health. You'll always drop back. You'll always say, well, maybe it's this. Because if God really liked me, this wouldn't be happening. No, that's not how it works, is it? So I, I'm setting the limit in my own life. It's nothing to do with you or anything. I'm setting the limit for everything that I can have in him. Well, what church do you go to or what do you believe? You got to believe Christ in me. He likes me. He came in the door. He, he knocked on the door and said, can I come in? And I said, I want you. And he came in and he, he locked the door, or the door disappeared. He never leaves or forsakes. So he's in us, and he's thinking our thoughts. He's, there's a scripture in, uh, that talks about that we're in union with him, that we're inextricably together. If you can believe that a husband and wife are one flesh, then if you can, then you can believe that you and the Lord Jesus are one spirit. And if one's true, then the other makes it so. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Is Christ in you? Let's look in verse 17. That whole chapter is so great. And so we know in verse 17, it starts out with therefore. So anytime you see a therefore, you have to look and see what the therefore is there for. And so he, he said 16 verses. And he sums it up and says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, one translation says, in Christed, made of the same stuff, come together and inseparable, in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he, the man in Christ, is a new creature. Some versions say creation. It's the same Greek work in both word in both, but how you translate it in the English sometimes is different. And what does a new creation mean? What, what does that mean? Well, it explains it. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. Well, I think it's this or I think it's that. He said old things are passed away. A new creation is something different and separate. Old things are passed away. The word is obliterated, annihilated, destroyed. Old things are passed away, no longer there. I had a friend that uh, went to church with us in Seminole. Good, good man. And he was, he was always witnessing. He was, he, was, he, he was talking all the time. And uh, so he's talking to some people one time, and he said, well, praise God, the old man's dead. And they thought they were talking about his earthly father. 
And they, they're like, Scott, you're weird. Why, why would you? No, praise God, the old man is dead. What old man? You know, it just it, so you think you're talking, but it's a mystery to them. He is, uh, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That is, he is a new creation. Old things passed away. All things have become new. So the thing that came out of or came from the old man is completely a new man. We don't appreciate that because we're fooled by the body that came with the new creation being exactly like the old body that got obliterated, that got annihilated. Uh, that messes us up. Would you all agree? And so if we like chocolate before the new birth, we can't get enough of that Hershey bar. Hallelujah. Uh, put your finger there and go to Romans chapter 10, if you would. Go west just a, a book, Romans chapter 10. I know you all know this in this room. But you never can get away from the foundations being strong. Chapter 10. Verse 8 says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. So he tells us where the word is. He tells us where spiritual things are. They're in their heart, in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And then verse 9 says that. So he said 8 to say 9, that if talking about in your mouth and in your heart, if you will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. I saw a deliverance the other day, a video of a deliverance, and uh, the minister was testing the one to see if they were demon-possessed or not. Well, let me read the rest of that verse first, and then that'll make sense. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So this man was saying to this man, do you believe that Jesus walked in the flesh? And the man said, yes. So he knew he wasn't demon-possessed, because the Bible says that no man says that Jesus is accursed, that Jesus is Lord, yes, and didn't get raised from the dead. So it's a test. I was very, I was very inspired by that. Thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And then there's that word for again. This stuff just, it's just the, it's, it's footnotes. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So no heads, no heads allowed here. No rationale. No education, no figuring out. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but it's not enough just to believe. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now we used to say, and we used to teach to some measure, that uh, that your heart and your mouth were separ were separable, but actually whatever your whatever's in the heart in abundance the Bible says comes out out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So what you're in faith about will speak. You don't have to contrive it. You don't have to read it. You don't have to remember it. It will come out. Whatever you believe will come out. So if you don't believe you're healed. Miss Lulu with the goiter, 
you're going you're gonna to listen to these people and say, what are you saying? You still got this goiter. And she's like, well, no, my heart. My heart does not acknowledge the goiter. I was healed. And my heart knows it. Whether my head, which is controlling my senses, my sight, my hearing, all that, whether it's lying against the truth is irrelevant. I know, therefore I say. So the same thing here, he said, if you believe in your heart, you're going to say with your mouth, I'm saved, I'm born again. So when people say, I don't know if I'm born again or not, you can tell that they're not firmly planted in their heart that they were born again. And you got to change that. You got you to affirm that. And that's what we're doing this morning. Uh, in Romans chapter four, slip Go west a little further, chapter 4, the Abraham chapter. Let's look in verse 19. God, the words talking, Romans is talking about Abraham, and he said of Abraham, and not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Well, where do we consider? What part of us considers? Well, it's in our soul, it's our head. That's where we consider. That's the rationale. That's the computation part of us. That's the sense realm where we, we decide if we're going to sleep till 6 o'clock in the morning or we're going to get up at 10 o'clock in the morning. That, that happens there. <laughs> yeah. He considered not his own body not dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. That's what the goiter girl was saying. She considered not. She considered not a lump of flesh around her neck could deny or dispute or nullify the fact that she was healed. She knew Christ was in her. He staggered not at the promise of God. That was the goiter girl too. She said, I believed I received in un through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Did she give glory to God? She did. So I just want to thank the Lord that two years ago I was, I was healed. And being fully persuaded that what he, the Lord, had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Verse 23. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also. Isn't that grand? To whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him, excuse me, that we believe on him that, that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our defenses, offenses, and was raised again for our justification. Verse 1, therefore being justified by faith. Are we justified by faith this morning? Yes. Yes, we are. That we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Really, you wonder if we should pray for people to have peace. They should activate the peace that's already in them, shouldn't they? Because it's already in there. So uh, this isn't true, but we say this to people to, to, to provoke them about the new birth. When we go to people, we say, if you were to die, God forbid, but if you were to die and God came to you and he would say, this isn't how it works, but it, it's a scenario. God would say to you, okay, you, you were alive yesterday, but you're dead right now. Why should I let you into my heaven? 
and it gets it tells you what people believe about Christ in them. Why should I let you into my heaven? God would say to you. And they get to thinking. Have y'all ever done that? Have you ever asked somebody? It's a marvelous way to confront someone about whether they're born again or not, whether they're a Christian or not. God would say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? And almost always, if they're not born again, usually they say, I've tried to be good. I've done my best. And right there, what do you know? Christ is not in them. He's not their hope of glory. Their hope of glory is to be rewarded with heaven for good things. I've tried. The Lord knows I've tried. I hadn't always done it. I failed a lot. I backslid. I'm not with him now, but I tried. So we tell the story, uh, two stories about the grandmother, the mother, the grandmother that was in church, raised in church, but there are certain denominations that never ask you or never talk about the new birth. I'm telling you, they're out, they're out there. They, there's a social gospel and they preach it. And I've asked these people in this denomination, what does your pastor preach on? And then I start answering. Does he preach on do good, try not to do bad, be, be merciful to people, be kind to people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, uh, are you born again? And they'll go, a mainline denomination, the second largest in our nation. This is how they operate. And they'll say, I don't know what you're talking about. Am I born again? So this grandmother, she's, she's not born again. But she does good things like the pastor preaches. She gives to the Red Cross. She gives blood. She, she helps. She helps her grandchildren. She's even in church because that's where church is for people that should do good. You want to do good? You want to be on God's side? You go to church. And so she dies, and God asks this woman, why should I let you into my heaven? Then there's the, we talk about this guy, the guy that's on death row. He's a serial murderer. He owns it. I did it, and I enjoyed it. That sort of perversity. And so the day before he's going to eat his last meal and go down and they're going to put the needle in his arm, a minister comes in there and says, hey, you need to get born again. Jesus died for you. And he says, I want to. And he gets born again. But all these sins against the state and against society are still there in front of him. So they go down and they shoot him with 10 billion volts or they put poison in his arms, whatever, he dies. The question is, when the grandmother dies and when this man dies, who went to heaven? That's a big question. And it answers every question about who we are, who we believe we are. So people don't like it, but grandma went to hell. And she was a sweetie. She was a sweetie. And this uh, Leroy on death row, he was rough. But yet he went to heaven. We have to know that and know why that. And if you question that, if you say, that's just not fair. That's, I've, been in, I've been in the county jail, and I would tell this story. And they all said, Grandma's going to heaven, because that's who they love, and that's who they think about. And they all think about in jail people that 
do bad things, they're against them too. So the question is, does God decide? When grandma's up there, does God decide? When the, when the convict's up there, does God decide? Almost everybody believes, because they don't have this concept of Christ in them being the deciding factor, they believe that God decides. And they believe that there are close calls and God, it was 51 to 49 against, but God just couldn't stand the close call. So he just let them into heaven. And if you believe like I do, like the word says, you're going to be unpopular among the unbelievers because they want mercy. They want a, I did the best I can defense to get into heaven. But it's like a light switch. Is the light switch up or is the light switch down? Are the lights on or the lights off? Because if lights are on, the switch is up. Hot water's on the left. Well, in most houses. It's, it's actually God does not ask, what, why should I let you into my heaven? We are changed into a new creation on the inside. And it's, it's red light, green light. It's not even a question. It's not even on the line. You're either born again or you're not. And it really doesn't matter what you've done since you got born again. I, I know people don't like that, but it really doesn't matter. For justice to work, you have to know that what you did with Jesus is the whole and complete and absolute end of whether you're going to heaven or not. What did you do with Jesus? Well, what about me that I... I, I I served him all my life since I was young. And then here's, here's Leroy at the last moment, death row. He goes in and he gets born again and he gets the same reward. Yes, you get the same reward, although it's not really a reward. Heaven is not really the reward. The rewards come once you get to heaven. So what you do on earth, God rewards it in heaven. To get to heaven, you have to be born again. But once you're there, he lines us up and he said, and, and there's a judgment of some, not against you, but for you. It's not like, okay, the judgment is here and the bad things you did are bad. Well, if you repented of them, according to 1 John 1, 9, they are not on the docket. Did y'all get that? You got something in your life you can't get rid of, then you need to get it under the blood. And when you get it under the blood, God forgets it, and you can forget it because it's not there. It's just stuff that you refuse to repent of, refuse to deal with, refuse to forgive, and whatever. That stuff's going forward. But the judgment is about the reward. When the Olympics is held, there's a bronze, a silver, and a gold. It's called the judgment seat. It's called the Bama. And it's not like you two going to hell and you're going to, you're going to the world games. It's judgment. This is gold. This is silver. This is bronze. It's a judgment of where you go, but it's all good. Didn't mean to get off on that, but you know of this stuff. So the whole question is, what do you do with Jesus? So you're working with people to get them born again. 
and they're dealing with what they've done and why they're disqualified, you got to get it off of that and say it doesn't matter. It's what would you do with Jesus? Will you receive him to come into your life and make you a new creation? Oh, I thought it was this other stuff. No, that other stuff doesn't count. That's what happens when you're a sinner and you're not righteous. But now that you're righteous, if you'll be righteous, if you'll receive Jesus, then it, that stuff doesn't matter. Only the stuff that's going forward that's good will matter and come into your life. Verse 17 in the New English, I'm still, I'm still in 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, verse 17, when anyone is united to Christ, there is a new world. Oh, my. The old order has gone and a new order has already begun. The passion says now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, and I was struggling with that word, enfolded, but then I remembered it's a cooking term where you fold in an ingredient. I don't know all that it means, but it means that you... You, you, you prepare this ingredient over here and then you, you put it in all, all those ingredients all at once. If anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Say vanished. It's vanished. If you're seeing it, you're, you're making it up because it's not in heaven's screen. It's vanished. The translator's version says, if a man is in Christ, there is a new act of creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The deaf says, a true Christian is not, I love this, this is powerful. A true Christian is not merely a man altered, but a man remade. He's gone, the old man's gone. The Lubbock, for if a man is in Christ, he is created anew. The man he was passed away, and behold, a new man has been created. The word when you become born again, the word is duplicate. A new creation. What is a new creation? You're the duplicate of the pattern. Jesus is the pattern, and we are made just like him as he is so are we in this world first john 4 17 we are the duplicate and so i remember when pastor buzzy used to talk about passing out samples that the lord's passing out samples about the lord jesus and it's you and me because we look and act just like him if they if they'll listen to us then they'll receive him uh You can't feel the new creation. I know people have said they tingled, but it's still a soulish thing. Our bodies and our spirit are completely separate. God doesn't ever talk to you through your body. He talks to you through your spirit. There's no feelings. He doesn't talk to you and us by physical things. Well, he didn't open that door, therefore it must be this door. That door was to stay with my wife, and this door is to run off with this girl. Now, that door didn't open, and this one did, so I guess that's God. I mean, crazy stuff. He doesn't work in the physical realm. He works in the spiritual realm. 
So <clears throat> we're not waiting for a move of God. We're not waiting for more in order to have a move of God. A move of God has come. Everything that you and I need to have a move of God has been downloaded and it's in. It's got to be activated. The other day, I couldn't get something to work I'd put together. And I hate to admit this, but I had to look at the instructions. <laughs> it, was a, it was a sad day, but I, I, I sent Debran off somewhere and I read them and put it together and said, look at me. But uh, we got to read the instructions. We got to get it together. So I say, maybe you would say that Christians that are duplicates ought to do what the original does. We ought to be doing Christian things, whatever Jesus did. The truth is, uh, uh, Jesus healed every single person that came to him the first time, every time. The only exception was, is the man that, that saw trees walking, saw men as trees walking, and the Lord prayed for him again. But other than that, he healed everybody that came to him every time without qualification. All he did was ask him to go dip in the, in the pool or go see the priest to verify to society and culture that it had happened. The Lord Jesus, nobody ever harmed him. Do you all remember the word where it says he walked through the crowd? They were going to push him off the cliff. He walked through the crowd and they didn't even know where he was. He certainly multiplied food. He certainly did the supernatural. He stilled storms. He walked on the water. And then he said, go and do likewise. Well, how can I do that? Well, he's in you. You know, if you jump, jump off your car, you're, you're, you're taking your cables on your dead battery and putting them on a hot battery. And that works. But the highest form would just be to take the hot battery out of their car and put it in your car while they're not looking and then drive off. <laughs> We've got a hot battery, and it's working. We are so powerful in the unseen realm that demons are afraid of me. Can you say it with me? Demons are afraid of me. Let's say it better. Demons are afraid of me. See, they know. They tremble. The Bible says they know and they tremble. They know who you are. So they're trying to keep the wraps down so that you don't find out who you are. But we can cast them out with a word. We can tell them to be evicted with a word, with a word, the name of Jesus. That's who we are. We can lay hands on the sick and with a word, with a hand, they recover. We can speak to the mountain and whatever the situation is. It will heed. When we lay hands on the sick, healing always comes. Sometimes people reject it. They, they don't open their heart and they throw it back out or whatever. But it always comes. It always comes. It's always there. Amen. So what did I do with Jesus? I made him the Lord of my life. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. Let's lift our hands and just tell him, Jesus, you are Lord. 
you are Lord. You are Lord and you are in me. You, you are Christ that's in me and you're my total and absolute hope of glory. I have no other aspirations or expectation from anything else saving me. It's you in me that's already saved me and delivered me from trouble. So we put our focus on you, Lord Jesus. You're in us. You're alive. You're working. You're demonstrating. You're manifesting. You're revealing the Father. And there is no failure in us. There's no rejection in us. You've never rejected us. Everything we felt was something of the devil in our feelers, in our senses. But you've never rejected us. You've never taught us a lesson by hurting us or allowing us to be hurt. Thank you, Lord, right now that you recover all and we recover all in you. Jesus, you are Lord. Now, we, we put aside all idolatry. That would mean all things that says, I can do it. I don't need him. I can make it. I don't need him. We are, we are none that. So, yes, Lord, in Jesus' name, we stand with you only. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we're going we're gonna to leave this place. And we come together to, to, to uh, lift up the truth, to affirm one another. If one of us is weak, when there's two of you, one of you is weak, one of you falls, the other picks us up. That's what we do when we come together. And then we leave this place and we go and do the kingdom. So there's somebody in your path the Lord's put there because he's in you. And he in you wants to go help someone that is just like you when he helped you, helped me. So, Lord, we thank you for helping us and directing us. Christ in me, the hope of glory, it's the mystery that's just now revealed. Couldn't come out till now, but here it is. Yay, Lord, yay. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lynn.